0: heroes reign supreme even the heroes need help robin i need your help what is it batman i need you to fold my laundry i can do that thanks man never realized how difficult it would be out in the dark all the time dude i think i messed up the bathroom again if it weren't for the sidekicks heroes wouldn't know what to do batman what is it she dumped me! Oh no, Batman. Robin, she found out I don't have any real powers. I'm giving you a hug through the phone, buddy. Thanks, man. I did that. I <laughs> ah! They may not get to be the hero. But who said they asked to be? Hey, good morning, Cornerstone Church. How y'all doing? Doing good? Good to see you guys. Hey, my name is Scott, and I want to welcome everybody here. I want to welcome everybody at the Scottsdale campus. All of you at the Santan campus. So glad to be part of the family together with all of us here in Chandler. Let's give it up for everyone else joining us in from our campuses, the 5 o'clock service online at Cornerstone Online. So glad to be a part of this with you. Uh, if this is your first time at Cornerstone Church, we're just thrilled that you're here, and, and I pray that when you walk out of here three hours from now when I'm done talking, that you have a great experience, and uh, hopefully it's helpful in your life. Now, it won't be three hours, but anyway, before we do get into today's conversation, uh, I, th- I think it's appropriate that we take a moment and pray, and just acknowledge that all is not well in America. Would you agree? Um, you know, I think uh, not being political or taking sides on any of this We've seen in in Minnesota, in Louisiana, in Dallas, Texas, an unnecessary loss of life, uh, uh, an act of violence that was just horrible, and um, it's not a good time for us. But at the same time, as a follower of Jesus, I can't think of a greater time to be the church, a greater time to live out this message of Jesus that He is the hope of the world and he changes lives. And so I would encourage us that we can bring about change. We can make a difference by being different. And I just want to pray that God would comfort those who lost loved ones and that he would give you and I, as followers of Jesus, wisdom and discernment and how to respond in a way that points people to our ultimate hope and that connects people in a relationship with God and to shine our light into our community. You know, Scripture says... In the book of James, to be uh, slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, because man's anger doesn't bring about the righteousness of God. And it also says in Romans chapter twelve that to, to not overcome uh, to, to 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 overcome evil with good. And there is evil in this world, and there is good. And I believe that God made every single one of us in his image. It's the human race that matters the most because we all matter to God. And I just want to encourage us as a church, let's stand for people. And let's stand for justice and righteousness and mercy. And uh, I want to invite you to stand right now, actually. And we're going to pray together, if, if that's okay. If uh, at, at Scottsdale and Santan, would you please stand with us? And not only are we standing in prayer, but we're symbolically standing, saying, you know what? We believe in people. And we believe that we can make a difference by being a, being different. And we believe that we are carriers of, of of the greatest message that could ever be heard. And that is that there's hope in Christ and that life comes through him. So allow me the privilege to just lead us in prayer. Let's pray. Father God, um, it's this very serious time, somber time, God, for us as a country. And uh, we pray, first of all, that you comfort, do a great work of comforting the hearts of the families who lost loved ones in these situations we just talked about, Lord. God, I pray that if there's any of these families who, who don't know you, that you would break through in this moment and bring the message of hope through Christ. And God, do a great work of healing in their hearts, God. And I pray for, for, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, God, that you give us wisdom, and discernment, how to encourage people, how to pray for our country, how to pray for those around us who, who, are, who are rightfully concerned. And God, I pray that for our nation, that you would help us to see you and help us to see that Jesus, you said blessed are the, the, the peacemakers. And God, use us to bring about peace as we live this life, with our brothers and sisters all around this nation and all around the world. And Father, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And if you agree, you can say amen. Amen. Take a moment, just shake somebody's hand around you, two or three people, maybe someone you don't know, tell them hi, good morning. It's great to be here. So... Scottsdale, Santan, man, we're in this series called Sidekicks. Everybody say Sidekicks. Side and it's, what's so fun about this series is that we're looking at lesser known people in the Bible and, and observing how God used them to make a big difference. And I like what Aaron Swenson said last week, our Scottsdale campus pastor, who did a phenomenal job teaching lives. Come on, give it Aaron, way to go. Man, awesome, awesome, awesome job. I know your campus is proud of you, and we're so thankful for you. And Aaron said, I think Aaron said, you know, not everyone can be a superhero, but everybody can, we can all be a sidekick. And a sidekick is really someone who assists or supports their superhero. So we're trying to have fun with this whole sidekicks type of theme, but what we're really doing is is we're we're answering, we're we're asking some questions. How can God use me to make a difference in the world? And I find it interesting that we're doing this series in the midst of what's going on in our country. How can God use you and I to make a difference in the world? So we're looking at some of these lesser-known people in Scripture, realizing that always there's always behind the scenes of something great are uh, is a score of people who've made a big contribution to the cause, yet they're not necessarily the person on the platform that's getting lights on them, nor the spokesperson for it. And so God has called us, to be having fun with the theme. He's called us to be sidekicks because we realize ultimately there's only one superhero that's risen from the dead and that's Christ Jesus. And he is the one who's come to save and redeem the world. But we're looking at people in scripture who God used. And we're like, oh, yeah, I don't remember that guy. I don't remember that gal and how they used them. We're going to learn what did their life look like? What, what did God require of them that he may require of us? If he's going to use us to make a difference in the world. And, uh, and week one, and as Aaron talked, well first Aaron talked last week about um, taking some necessary risks. If we're going to make a difference, we have to take some necessary risks. And he also encouraged us to be encouragers. Make a difference by being a voice of encouragement in the lives of those around us. And in week one, we kind of kicked it off. By saying, you know, God's going to make a difference in in the world through us. And one of the ways he gets our attention is He he when he exposes to us a need, he's often recruiting us to be part of the solution. And we had some fun with some of the superheroes. Which, by the way, I think the most inspiring superhero that we threw out there that really got us all encouraged and inspired wasn't Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, or Captain America. It was Lynn Lantern was the inspiration of the week for all of us. His sidekicks, Aaron and Larry. That's Linda. If I got to get that on my Facebook page or something so we can all take it and you know hashtag Lynn Lantern. See what happens with it, right? But we're just having fun with this thing. But it's a really serious conversation. How does God use us to make a difference in the world? And so today, I want to begin this conversation by throwing out a question. I ask myself this, but it's going to be from me to you. What would you do if you were certain? certain, not hopeful, not just optimistic, but what would you do if you were certain God was on your side? What would you do? What would your life look like? Would you stick with it? If you were certain God was on your side, would you stick with that job that's driving you crazy? Because you know God's called you there to be a light and to be hope in the workplace of folks maybe who are far from God? Would you stick with the marriage you're in right now that seems like it's falling apart, and maybe it is, but would you stick with it because you are certain that God is on the side of reconciliation and growth, and man, we can make it through this. What would you do if you were certain God was on your side? For some of us, maybe we would start something. Maybe we would start going down a career path that we know is more in alignment with what we 're passionate about, but there's a risk there. maybe if we were certain God was on our side, we 'd start that business that we 've been dreaming about. Maybe we, we would start'd uh, go maybe we'd go back to college for our sophomore year if we were certain God was on our side, and perhaps for some of us, if we were certain God's on our side, we 'd walk away from something. maybe we'd walk away from some unhealthy Uh, relationships and some friends that are taking us down a path that we know we don't want to go. Maybe we'd walk away from, uh, even though I think this is the minority, but maybe we would walk away from that job and take that risk and go into new territory. What would we do if we were certain not only is God with us, that's kind of like, oh God is with me, la la la, but God was on our side. What would we do? Well, I want to be somewhat bold right now. And suggest that if we were certain God was on our side, I know what we would do. We would do exactly what he tells us to. We would do exactly what he tells us to because we're certain that he's on our side. And today's sidekick that we're going to look at and we're going to learn about this is a guy named Joshua. Everybody say Joshua. So Joshua is Moses' sidekick. The Bible actually says Joshua was Moses' assistant. Everybody's trying to say Moses is, say, say Moses is, now you feel my pain, right? Or I could say the assistant of Moses was Joshua, but this is not a grammar class. So Joshua is the sidekick of Moses, and what's happening is Moses was the guy, you know, the Ten Commandments, the parting of the Red Sea. Moses is God's man to lead his people out of bondage and slavery in Egypt, and so he's doing that. And what happens is God delivers his people and he says, hey, you're going to go from here and I'm going to bring you into a land that God calls the promised land. It's a place that I promised to bring you to. And so what happens though is Moses and all the people, they just grumble and complain and they walk, wander around the desert. They're wandering around Maricopa for like 40 years in disobedience from God. And you know, know, San Diego's only six hours away. They're wandering around. For 40 years. And and, uh, and so basically, Moses says, okay, I want to go spy out this promised land. I want to go send some guys to check it out and bring back a report. And so Moses picks 12 guys from the 12 tribes, a, lead, uh, a leader, really all sidekicks from all the 12 tribes, sends them out. Joshua's one of those guys. So they go to the promised land. And they, you know, they got their binoculars and all the whatever they're using. They, I mean, they're Instagramming their whole deal. They're walking through the promised land and doing their Pokemon Go because there's stuff all over the place <laughs> that they're getting. Some of you like, what? Is he talking about it? Is he smoking something? So anyway, they go to the promised land and they see some great things. It's a very fertile land. The natural resources, it's incredible. It's abundant. In fact, it says that they picked a cluster of grapes and threw it on a stick the two guys were carrying. I mean, they're off to make a couple bottles of Merlot with one little thing of, I'm from California, sorry. So anyway, there's some great stuff. But they also see there's a lot of people there. And some of them people have been working out. They look pretty tough. And so finally, they go back to give the report. And you can only imagine Moses and the entourage standing around. And the scripture says 10 guys gave this report, they said, oh, it's, it's good. Look at the grapes we brought back. It's fertile. It's rich. But there's some tough people there. In fact, we look like grasshoppers in their sight, is what the Bible says. We are so small and they are so big. They came back and they gave a bad report. Here's, here's what a bad report looks like, by the way. It's this, that when we see God, and God tells us to do something with our life. We see it clearly, we see Him clearly, but all of a sudden between us and God pop our circumstances. And that's what these guys were doing. They were looking at God through their circumstances. Oh, it's oh it's a it's a beautiful promised land. Yeah, yeah God, it's beautiful, but we're too small. Oh, yeah, God, it's it's awesome, man. We're gonna really prosper there. Yeah, God, but. We are like grasshoppers in their sight. Yeah, God, oh man, this is perfect for us. Yeah, God, but there's no way we can do this. They gave a bad report. Yeah, God, but we can't do this. And then Joshua and another guy named Caleb pipe up and they give a different report. So here's what scripture says in Numbers chapter 14, verse nine. Check this out. And you can turn there if you like, or it'll be on the screen for you as well. Numbers chapter 14. Verse 9, here's what it says. Caleb and Joshua, here was their report. After hearing this bad report, so then it goes on, and they say, do not rebel against the Lord. They're basically saying, hey, God has told us to do this. He's on our side. Don't rebel with fear and unbelief. So he says, do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They're only helpless Pray to us. They have no protection. Here's what he says. But, everybody say but. But. This is a big, big but. But, I'm trying to be funny. I'm working on you. (laughs) But the Lord is with us, he says. Don't be afraid of them. You know what was different about Joshua and Caleb? They had a different attitude. Everybody say a different attitude. And I want to suggest that that's what we're going to need if we're going to do what God is calling us to do in our life. We have to have a different attitude. And here's the difference. The ten guys looked at God through their circumstances. Yeah, 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 God, but, but there's cat lovers and Seahawks fans in that land. And yeah, God, but how can we go there? What? No, Caleb and Joshua, they said, yeah, there's big people there. Yeah, it's populated. Yeah, but God is bigger. Yeah, but God is stronger. Yeah, but God is the one calling us. They didn't look at God through their circumstances. They looked at their circumstances through God. And I'm telling you, when God is whom we look through, our circumstances don't look so big. Yes, God, I know God wants to use me to make a difference in the world. But I'm an addict. How can an addict make a difference? Where a different attitude says, yeah, I don't live in denial. I'm an addict. But God, but God can free me from that. And God can use me to make a difference in this world. Yeah, my marriage is, 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 is falling apart, so I, I, I can't volunteer, I can't serve other people, because, I, you know, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a mess, but I know God wants me to, to serve before I'm perfect anyway, uh, but, but I can't, uh, yeah, my marriage is really weak right now and it's falling apart, and we need help, but God is greater, and God can heal our marriage, and he can bring us back together. They had a different attitude. Instead of saying, Yeah, God, but excuse. They were like, yeah, current reality, but God. You see the difference? That's the attitude these sidekicks had. And God did great things through them. Everybody say a different attitude. So here's what happens. Joshua, the sidekick of Moses, Moses dies. All of a sudden, Joshua is thrust into being the leader, or maybe now he's elevated to being the superhero. I I don't know. I just look at it as he's called out of the bullpen. And he's like, literally, the book of Joshua, you can turn there, actually turn to Joshua chapter 1, because it says, Moses is dead. God calls Joshua up, okay, you're up, lead on. And so what's really interesting about this, though, is that God gives Joshua some very specific instructions that I think, if we're going to do what God calls us to do, we're going to have to do the very same thing that Joshua did in order to fulfill God's purpose for his life. What would you do if you were certain God was on your side? I think it begins with having a different attitude. Now, let's go from there. Look at Joshua chapter 1, verse 6 through 8. Are you guys still with me? All right. Santan, this is for you. Scottsdale, this is for you. All you rowdy folks at the five o'clock, this is for you too, all right? So here we go. Joshua 1, verse six through eight. God speaking to Joshua says this, be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them, talking about the promised land. Verse seven, he says it again. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Basically, he's saying, Joshua, if you're going to do what I'm calling you to do, you're going to have to be a fanatic. He really is. And then he goes on, God speaking, then you will be successful in everything you do. Verse 8, check this out. He says to Joshua, study this book of instruction continually. He's talking about the word of God. In their day, they didn't have all 66 books of the Bible, but they had some of them. So when he's saying this, he's talking about God's word. So it says, study this book of instruction every now and then. No, help me out here, man, come on. Continually. And then he says, meditate on it day and night. Say day and night. Be a fanatic. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Check this out. Only then. Say that. Only then. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. And if I may add commentary. Only then will you be able to do what I'm telling you to do and to live out my call on your life. He says this. To study it continually meditate day and night. Here's what Joshua did that I think we need to do if we're going to do what God's calling us to do. Is that he made God's word an everyday priority. An everyday priority. So immediately, I think of Jesus in Matthew four four. Here's what Jesus says in the New Testament to you and to me very specifically. He says, man shall not live on bread alone. He's actually quoting the Old Testament. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So here's what I want to encourage you today. To do what God's calling us to do. Make his word an everyday priority. Find your routine. When do you spend time in God's word? Every single day. Oh, there goes the preacher man again, being all crazy and throwing out unrealistic expectations. And, you know, Scott, you don't realize how busy my life is. And uh, Joshua was leading a nation And God expected him to spend time in his word every single day. Joshua was leading a nation, and God told him, not just in the morning, but every day and every night, continually study it, meditate on it. He made God's word an everyday priority. But I just don't feel like it. Honey, I'm going to be honest. I don't always feel like reading my Bible. Anybody willing to be honest about that? Raise your hand. Okay. The rest of you are also spiritual. God bless you. We love you anyway. How many of you guys brushed your teeth today? Raise your hand if you brushed your teeth. If you didn't brush your teeth, raise your hand. You have permission to lie. It's okay. This one time. Santan, brush your teeth. Okay. Did you get up this morning? Did you wake up this morning? And did you pop out of bed going, yes! Oh, I'm so stoked I get to brush my teeth. You didn't, did you? I never feel like brushing my teeth. Do you, I mean, do you really feel? Here, I brought something. This is a toothbrush. All right? This is my toothbrush. It's one of those chargeable deals. A few years ago, I went backpacking in Yosemite with my dentist. Try to be locked away in the mountains for a few days with your dentist. He talked me into getting this. I got this because of my dentist. I love my dentist. And he says, Scott, and what happened was, we, we the first night, we're sleeping out under the stars by Yosemite Falls. It was just fabulous. We do our, our meal, which is like the little dry, you know, the, the backpacking meal. It's, it's, all in a, it's nothing glorious about it. Finish it up. And he's over by his sleeping bag. He's going... He's flossing his teeth. And I'm like, man, that dude practices what he preaches. Or he's OCD, either or. He's practicing good oral hygiene. He's flossing his teeth. I'm like, wow, that inspires me. He's actually doing what he tells me to do. And he's the one who talked me into getting this. And he says, Scott, don't just brush. Really brush. So here's how how I used to brush my teeth before my dentist came into my life. I'd be like, I'm done. Anybody else? The 12-second brush? You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of times when I read my Bible. Okay, God. Meditate in your word every day and night. Study it. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. I'm done. But that's not what God says. He says, if we want to be successful in what he's calling us to do, only then will we be successful if you just take your time. Anybody got Anybody have one of these things? Two minutes. It goes on for two minutes. When I first started brushing my teeth with this, I thought I was going to brush my teeth out of my face. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. If you have never brushed your teeth for two minutes before, I started doing exercises while I was brushing. I'm stretching and all this, trying to kill time. When it comes to God's word in our life, making it an everyday priority, God says, study it. Meditate on it. Process it. Pray about what you're reading. Ponder what you just read. Be mindful of what you just read. Listen to the voice of the Spirit of God to speak to you through His Word. Take your time on... I've never brushed my teeth in front of people. This is very awkward for me, by the way, but it's all for you. It's still... I just spit. It's still going. And when you brush your teeth with one of these things, man, it's like... It is awesome! It feels so clean, and it's the same with God's Word. Meditate on it. Study it day and night. Joshua was called to lead a nation and God required him to make a priority out of God's word in his life. He's calling you and me to at minimum be a sidekick and he's saying, study it, meditate day and night, day and night, day and night. Make God's word an everyday priority because only then will we be successful and what God's calling us to do. Only then, if I may say, will we be able to speak into our culture with wisdom and godly insight. Only then will we be able to hear the thoughts and the intents of God and not just the chatter on social media that is driving us all crazy and getting us all even more ticked off. Only then will we be able to be light to our community, and salt to the earth when we spend time in his word. Guys, guys, bottom line, I'm trying to motivate you to be people of the scriptures, to study God's word every single day. Be fanatical. Joshua, he has a different attitude. He looks at God. He looks at his circumstances through God. He makes an everyday priority out of God's word. And then the result is to do what God has called us to do. Strength is necessary and courage is required. Say that. Say, strength is necessary. Courage is required. Look at verse 9. Joshua 1, right past what we just read in verse 9. He goes on. God speaking to Joshua says, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. He keeps hammering that home. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And I want to say the only way to be strong and to be courageous to do what God is telling us to do comes from the result of spending time with him in his word, meditating on his word day and night, studying it, digging into it. Strength is necessary and courage is required. He will give us strength when we spend time with him, but we will always have to step out and make a courageous step, just like what Aaron said last week about taking risks to step out. And I have to say this: I think for most of us, the most courageous thing that we will do when it comes to doing what God tells us to do is to stick with what we're already doing. It's very, uh, it's very sexy. To think about, man, God's calling me to this. God's calling me to start something new, to go over here. And we hear that a lot. And I'm telling you from my own experiences, there are times I wish I would have better discerned God because I think he was telling me more to stick with it than to start something new. And I think for most of us, God's probably going to say, stick with that job because you are the hope and the light of Christ in that workplace. Stick with that, that, that school that you're going to. Because it's one of the biggest party schools in the country. I need you there. All you sun devils are thinking about wildcats, aren't you? I think God mostly, though, tells us stick with it because I'm with you in this. I'm on your side. But every now and then, I think God will will also start something. But in my story, I think that God told me to walk away from something. And I think that, again, that's the minority of the time. But my my situation was, uh, a little over a couple years ago, I was working at a great church. And my role was uh, very administrative. And um, and I just felt, it wasn't my strength. I'm a pretty detail-oriented guy, but I'm not camping out in administrative stuff all day long, all week long, is just short of, you know, take my life kind of stuff. And I was suffocating in the work. And and Shelly and I, you know, talked about it a lot, prayed about it a lot. Like, man, what am I going to do? I can't do this anymore. And so I you know, I told the church and they were gracious. And said, well, here, here's a promotion. Do this. And to me, it was a demotion because it was more of the same. More administrative stuff And my passion. I don't know if it was if if, if it's a gifting or not, and I'm not looking for a response, but my passion was to teach God's word. And I'm like, God, I you're just This is, I can't, every single day I awake with a passion to help people know Christ through his word. How can I do that more? And so I got to the place where I decided to take a very risky step and walk away. Man, you look at the conversations that Shelly and I had. Yeah, but we live in California. We have a hard enough time affording to live here anyway. What are we going to do? We have two kids going to college in the next two years. How are we going to do that? got to have a job. I know. I didn't want a job though. I wanted to pursue this call. I felt like God had put on my life. And the risk was, if I step out, will God provide? Will I fail? Will we go broke? And ultimately, will I die? Two years into it, I'm still alive. It's going pretty good. And we're getting by. And the jury's still out and where it goes from here. And I say that not to say, look at me, because all of our stories are different. But the courage that I got to be able to do that came directly from my time spent with God in his word. The fear of failure was was dispelled when I'd spend time in his word. And I think he says, day and night, meditate on it because I'd get all encouraged. I got to do this thing. God's speaking to me. And I'd walk away three hours later. I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to die. This is the stupidest thing I've ever done in my life. Day and night, meditate on his word. And he gave me strength. To keep moving forward and the courage to keep moving forward and the attitude of, yeah, our circumstances, oh my gosh, kids in college, living in California, and, and insurance for teenagers, and what are we gonna do for benefits? And, oh, 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 yeah! But God, I don't know where it's gonna go, but I just wanna be a walking billboard to say that God's got your back. What would you do? in your life if you were certain God were on your side. I think some of you are going to stick with that marriage that you're in. I think some of you are going to stick in that job. I think some of you are going to continue investing in relationships with some people that are very high maintenance. I think some of you are going to continue to volunteer with junior high kids I think some of you are going to continue to pray for our nation even though it looks like it's not working. I think some of us are going to continue to try to be generous and be a giver. We're going to do what God's called us to do because we're certain he's on our side because we have a different attitude. We're going to make his word an everyday priority because strength is necessary and courage is required. Let's do this. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, uh, um, what a privilege we have to, to know that you have purpose for us, to know that you're calling us, maybe to stick with it or to start something or maybe for a few of us to walk away. But God, we know that you are not only with us, but you are on our side. So God, may we be people who meditate on your word day and night, who study the Bible. It's central to our life. And God, may we through that receive strength from you and the courage to continue to move down the path that you're calling us to. God, because we're certain you're on our side, we're going to do exactly what you tell us to do. And we thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.